Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Pastor Larry Davis. All right, welcome. I'm glad you're here today. Uh, we're going to continue in Luke. We've been uh, in the Gospel of Luke. It's in the New Testament um, for uh, many weeks now. We've been kind of just taking our time as we've worked through that as a church. And this is part one. And today we're going to be in chapter seven. A lot of you guys are going to be really excited because community groups and your uh, reading plan or devotional, and today is all going to mash up. We've met each other, and we're going to finish out this first part of Luke together. So um, just excited to, to have gone through this gospel so far with you and just how God's been just um, really putting the story together for us. And I know for a lot of us, just as we've seen that happen. And uh, so today, if you guys want to open up to Luke 7, we'll be in there in just a minute. But first, I want to ask you guys, how many of you guys have ever judged a book by its cover? Yeah? A lot of you guys? Yeah? Uh, what about, how many of you have seen the, the, it's, uh, the show out called The Voice, where they don't judge a book by its cover. They just listen to the voice, and they don't get to see who's singing it. And I still notice everybody looks good. <laughs> I'm like, where's the weirdo? Uh, I'm not talking to you if you're weird, okay? Uh, so today, we're going to uh, we're gonna go ahead and judge a book by its cover. I'm going to give you guys an opportunity. And what I did is I went on to Amazon, uh, because it's the all-knowing judger. And uh, I took, I got four books, uh, or four sets you guys are going to have on your uh, programs there. If you guys want to pull out your notes, you're going to have an opportunity to play this game with me. And um, you're going to have a decision, A or B. And these are books that are five stars. Uh, You can't get any better than that. Or two stars, or worse. So two star versus five star. And these are books that have at least 15 to 100 and something reviews each. So it's not just one person was mad. It's, it's, it's pretty consistent. So are you ready? Let's check it out. Here we go. Here's number one, A or B. You got the Sidekick Chronicles or Larry Potter and his friend Lily. So what's up? Didn't know that, did you? So circle the one you think is the five star. Judge the book by its cover. You want the awesome shield with the stores, swords as your sidekick or Larry Potter and his two-toothed friend, Lily? <laughs> All right, number two. Bitten with a lamppost or the chosen. Looks like there's a big old hurricane, earth coming, something like that. A or B, which one's the five-star? All right, number three. Project Phoenix, Dead Rising. I want to say like the movie person. Project Phoenix, Dead Rising. Are you ready? <laughs> Darren Brent Patterson brings you the project. Or a street cat named Bob. Which one is the five star? Gotta love the kitty. I think he's wearing a scarf. <laughs> All right, number four. We have Kisses from Katie or James Patterson's Toys. <laughs> it's like a horror movie, I think. I don't know. All right, you ready? Everybody's got their answers down? The five stars. Here we go. Let's see how y'all did. Number one. Here we go. Larry Potter's a loser. Ah, <laughs> oh, I know. I wanted it too. I was going to buy it. And then I was like, no, it's only two stars. I can't even have it in my office. <laughs> All right, number two. B, 
bitten. Nobody likes that. Nobody wants to get bitten. Everybody wants to, the chosen. How many got that one right? Wow, good job. Jeez, how many read that one? <laughs> All right, number three. Number three. Oh. <laughs> the project dead fell. Oh, man. Is buried. Hey, man, everybody loves kitties, right? That one had like 60-something reviews at five stars. They love Bob. They love him and his scarf. All right, number four. Kisses from Katie. Who got that one right? Kisses from Katie. Look at you guys. Oh, who got 100%? Cheaters. <laughs> I didn't ask you who missed them all. Way to point her out. I got them all. She missed them all. Oh, man, that's awesome. It's because he looked over and he's like, I ain't going to do what you do. <laughs> that's awesome. That Kisses from Katie book is actually a really good book. I do recommend it. If I was going to do a quick pub, uh, it's about this high schooler. She, it's her book. She just left and moved to Uganda, and she adopted 14 little girls. And it's the Karamajung kids who we got to feed when we go over there. And she's sending them to school and like hundreds of others. So it's her story. Really cool. Side note. <laughs> and it's got five stars because it's awesome. It's like 150 reviews. Anyways, today we're going to be talking about, you know, people. We judge a lot of people, you know, just by looking at them. You've probably judged me by now, what I'm wearing, my shirt, stuff. It's black. You're always wearing black, Larry. You probably said that when you came in. Always Jesse. You're always wearing black and white shoes. And you always got to tell us about it. How many of you guys ever done that? <laughs> probably judging me because I'm a Denver Broncos fan. Mm-hmm. And I'm probably judging you because you lost really bad last week. <laughs> Sorry, you opened it up. <laughs> All right, so let's go to the Bible. Let's get into the Bible, the Word. All right, so go to Luke 7. Luke 7. We're going to be in Luke 7, 36. Luke 7, verse 36. And we're going to go through the end of Luke 7 through 50. Luke seven thirty six through 50. All right, now the story goes like this. It starts off. Now, one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him. So he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. When a woman who lived a sinful life in that town learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster jar of perfume. Now, Jesus had been previously invited and invited a lot to sinner's house. He'd been invited a lot to a lot of people's house, even non-sinner's house. We saw uh, the other week how he got invited over to the Pharisee's place, and you know, then they dropped a guy through the roof. So he loves spending time um, with sinners. He'd previously been invited to those who were notorious sinners, who were thieves, perverts, gluttons, drunkards, them all. He was like, sign me up. I'm hanging out with them. Um, and then this specific occasion, he got invited by the Pharisees. He got invited over to a, a special dinner party uh, at one of the really religious uh, people's house for the religious club hangout uh, to have a meal. And this is the thing about Jesus. Jesus never cond- condoned their sin, all these people he hung out with, uh, nor participated in it. He never condoned their sin or participated in the sin, but the religious people condemned him nonetheless. Even though he never was participating in it, he was just participating with them. 
And I didn't anticipate this when uh, we started Luke and, you know, as we were doing this first part, half study. And, um, but I didn't anticipate w- how the Pharisees and the really religious people were kind of going to uh, unveil themselves, um, you know, even in, through community group, as they're really starting to be shown as the villain. And Jesus is always the hero. You know, it, it's like they're these bad, horrible, they're the opposite you know, they're always the opposing. And you start actually kind of like, why are you always doing this? That's just their part they're playing. And I wasn't really ready for that when we started going through this, um, to see how awful religion is uh, or can get to be. Uh, you know, it's that much of more of a reminder of why he's there. You know, you don't know it's bad until you see how bad it is. And then you don't even see it. So he's, uh, he's, he's now gone over to the Pharisee's house and He's hanging out there, and they're going to have a meal. Now, a meal would look a little different than we have a meal here. You're not going to have high stools or, you know, a nice, like, table setting. You're going to have, it's going to be a low table, and you're going to be more lounging or laying towards the table on some pillows or couches. And the meal wasn't just about, like, uh, eat, and then let's go hang out, or, you know, eat, excuse me, I got something else to do. We're really good at that. I mean, even my kids, it's like, eat, boop, like, onto something else. It it doesn't even have to be, it's just something. I don't want to sit here and have conversation or think of something else to talk about. Um, but that's exactly what it was about then. It was about the conversation, about the meal and communication. It could go on for like a couple hours. It was really just an experience. Um, there's probably some sort of wine tasting going on, you know, typical thing. We understand that. So they would be lounging and they'd be in a circle and there'd be other people behind them that would serve them. And the thing is, is that women weren't a part of these like theological discussions or these moments, they were out of, especially at a special meal like this. And so they weren't, uh, they weren't allowed to be in part of these. They weren't, uh, the only thing they could do is maybe serve from the back and they would stand down towards their feet and they would, you know, put something in and take it out, kind of the next little piece or the course. And it says this, it says, a woman who had lived a sinful life in that town learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster jar of perfume. So this woman, many uh, theologians and commentaries agree and think that she's a prostitute, uh, which is why as many people in the town knew, you know, she was a streetwalker, what she did or however she made her money or whatever she had to do, and that she was a sinful woman. I mean, you looked at her and you're like, oh man, you are a screw up. And they knew that. And especially these, this group of people uh, at this house, because they're like the the holier-than-thouism kind of people hanging out there. And so I want you guys to see her as, as she hears that Jesus is in this house and she goes ahead and she starts heading towards there and she grabs a jar, an alabaster jar. This is an alabaster jar with perfume in it, which is expensive perfume. It's, it's ointment. It's, it's, it smells great. And she goes and she starts heading to this house where Jesus is at this religious leader's house which she knows she probably isn't even welcome. And imagine as she's getting up to the door and she opens the door and you're going to a party you're uninvited to. You ever done that? Right, because it's weird and awkward. But she's doing it and it's weird and it's awkward. But there's something else that's going on. And so she walks in and she's this giant now book that's being judged by her cover. And she's standing there with this alabaster jar. And I, I can only imagine that the meal kind of stops. So the religious people look over and be like, oh, gosh, not good. What is she doing here? You know, but not to make a scene at your party in your house. 
you know? And, and they should probably walked in, she could probably, they could probably smell the perfume, what it smelled like. Some of them could have recognized it because maybe that's the perfume she used to entice men. Uh, maybe it was used to cover up the stench of people on her body. She brought over this ointment, this expensive perfume. And then it says this. As she stood behind him, this is Jesus, at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. See, Jesus' feet were dirty. That's what we get to notice right off the bat. His feet were dirty. She had to clean his feet. She gets behind him and notices that his feet are dirty. What that means is that the host, these Pharisees, this party host was a bad host. See, custom, custom was that when someone came into your home, you would have like a basin of water, you would have a servant come over and wash their feet maybe spruce it up with some oil or something, freshen them up a little bit because they've been walking everywhere in sandals, you know, you didn't have cars. Their feet were gross, kind of like taking off your shoes. And if, and, if, and if you didn't have a servant to come do it for your party or whatnot, you would at least have like a water basin there so that they could do it themselves and just freshen up. And so he's sitting there around this table with his gross feet there and no one has paid attention to him. They didn't do that for Jesus. These people are like some, some of us. They're just inconsiderate. Some of us are inconsiderate. And that's exactly who these people were. They were rude. They were rude to Jesus. They didn't take care of him when he came in. They weren't a good host. They weren't thinking of him. They were negligent. Some of you are like that. Some of you are difficult spouses. Not because you're committing adultery or beating your spouse. You're just inconsiderate. You're rude. You are. You don't think of the other person. You're not thoughtful or attentive to see something. We're negligent. There's times that that happened. That's how Jesus was treated. And this woman comes in and she's very thoughtful. She's very attentive. She's very considerate. She notices Jesus' feet and that they're dirty. And she does the unthinkable. She approaches Jesus And she gets down at his feet in this moment and something happens that she wasn't expecting. When she gets down near his feet as she's come over there, she's come to this party she's not invited to with her alabaster jar of perfume, she gets down at his his feet and something happens to her. She is overcome with the conscious awareness of her own sinfulness. Have you ever had that happen? Or all of a sudden it just just comes out of you. You're overcome with who you are, who you really are, who you've been for a moment or a day. Or I mean, how many of you guys have been slapped around one day when you're thinking one thing and you just need somebody to tell you what's up? Wow, that was really all about me there. She gets at Jesus' feet and suddenly she's overcome with her own consciousness and awareness of her own sinfulness. And it's true for her, as it is for you and me, the closer we get to Jesus, the more sinful we recognize ourselves as being. The closer we get to Jesus, the more we recognize how messed up we are. And she's, 
She's getting closer to Jesus and she's realizing, you're holy, I'm unholy. You're clean, I'm unclean, spiritually. You're without sin, I'm with sin. I have, everyone knows my sin, I'm filled with it. And as she sits there in his feet, she loses it. It all comes out. In this moment that she wasn't expecting, she broke. She got in front of Jesus at his feet and she began to weep bitterly and sob. I mean, snot coming out of her nose. One of those, you can't talk, I don't even know who I am right now, coming out of me like water pouring out of her eyes. Enough to sufficiently wet his feet to where she could clean his feet. You ever had one of those cries? Some of you are just criers. That's all right. Those are, yeah. It's everything. This is her, Martin Luther King used to call this, this is heart water. This is her heart coming out on her knees at Jesus' feet. This is cleansing her soul. This is an act of repentance. This is her publicly acknowledging, acknowledging before the most judgmental, shaming, condemning, self-righteous, righteous religious men that yes, I'm a sinful woman, I'm a bad person, I've done some stuff in my life, and I, I don't like it. That's not who I am. And I, I'm, I have deep regret for the life that I've lived. There's so much water flowing her eyes that it wets her feet. That, that is a broken, humble, repentant, devastated, grieved sinner. That's an act of repentance. That's an act of worship. She takes this very expensive perfume. She takes this very expensive perfume and starts to just lavish, lavishly worship even just Jesus. And she pours it on his feet. And she kisses his feet as an act of worship. When she falls at his feet and when she acknowledges her sin, she's shedding these tears. She's cleaning his feet, when she's anointing his feet, when she's kissing his feet, that's all an act of worship. She's worshiping Jesus passionately, humbly, publicly, repentantly, generously. She's giving her best. She's giving all that she has. She's giving all that she is in love to Jesus as her Lord. Some of you, this would make you really, very, very uncomfortable. I mean, even if you came in here and you saw someone doing that, oh, wow, they got a problem. I am uncomfortable. Don't sit next to them. <laughs> to see someone with that kind of passion and freedom, you wouldn't be alone. The story continues. It said that 
When he stood behind uh, the feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and she wiped them with her hair. She kissed them and poured, and poured the perfume on them. One thing real quick to know about the hair is when, when she did that, I, I believe that she didn't know what she was getting into, that she didn't really know this was getting ready to happen because she would have brought a towel. She would have brought something knowing I'm going to wash his feet. She didn't. This, she was overcome by this and then didn't know what to do. I've got to like, clean up his feet. And so she gave the most beautiful thing really that she has of her own, which was her hair, and let it down. Uh, the, the Talmud, which was a, a Jewish book that explained, you know, what you can do. And I, a woman who lets down her hair in front of these men, it's like adultery. It's grounds for divorce. So this is like mega taboo in this house when she lets down her hair. Paul says later that a, a woman's hair is her glory. And she takes that which is glorious and cleans his feet, wipes off his feet, kisses them, pours perfume on them. It says in verse 39, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, now hear that, he didn't say it out loud, he said this to himself in his heart, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she's a sinner. If this man right here was a prophet, and he was who he said he was, he would know who's touching him, that that is a dirty sinner that's unworthy of even touching him. This man, Simon, who's the host of the party, in his heart was thinking to himself. He's thinking this. There's two kinds of people. There's unholy and there's holy. I categorize everyone in that way. And the holy category is me. I'm a holy person. I'm like a religious leader. Then there's unholy. And I'm going to put the category of this whore who's in my house now in Jesus. Because he don't even know who she is. And if he don't know who she is, then he's obviously a sinner himself. Those are the two categories that he's putting people in. I'm in the category of holy. And this girl, this sinner, this woman, and Jesus, they're in the category of unholy. The pride, the judgmentalism that these religious people have. The self-righteousness. See, there is two categories of people. There's unholy and holy. And the holy category is Jesus. And the unholy category is everybody else. Ain't nobody match up to it. And that's the thing. And the unholy category is everyone else. He stood back and looked at the woman and said, she's a sinner. If Jesus were a good man, he would know that Jesus, he would know that. And Jesus said, I am the God man. I am the God man and I know that and I know that you're in the wrong category. You're a sinner too. See, religious people see others sin, not their own. Don't we do that sometimes when we get all religious? We start seeing everybody else's problems, not our own. Because they're like bigger and more obvious. Come walking up in your face. They're unaware of others' sin, not their own. They're filled with pride filled with smugness, self-righteousness, judgment, holier than thouism. I've been there. I've been religious. It's probably religious this week. Religious people tend to live in their heads and think and quietly criticize those who are serving Jesus. This woman is serving Jesus. She's doing the thing that Simon didn't do, hasn't done. And Simon didn't serve Jesus. And he's going to judge the way that she's serving Jesus. Man, 
How often do we do that? Just think in our heads and look over and criticize and not even be there. Some of us tragically live in our head. We're awesome. We're holy. We think that we're holy. We criticize others and we don't participate. God forgive me, that's been me before. Not participating. How many of you guys haven't participated? I mean, there might even be some people in here this morning that didn't participate. That isn't participating. Tragically, we live that way. We think we're holy, we criticize others, and we don't participate. Simon's not participating in what's happening. He hasn't from the beginning. When you read the story, don't think, yeah, I'm like that woman. I'm like her. Think, maybe I'm like that guy. Simon thinks he's only a little bit in debt, and here's why. The story continues in verse 41. When he thought these things, here I'll start in verse 40. When, when he was thinking these things and he's done, it says, Jesus answered him. Now, he didn't ask a question, and he didn't say this out loud. So it's kind of like, hey, I am the God man. I am a prophet. Uh, I know that she's a sinner, and I know what you're thinking. Boo. <laughs> so Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two men owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had money to pay him back, so he canceled the debts of both. Now, which of them would love him more? Simon, who's a Pharisee, replied, I suppose the one who had a bigger debt canceled. You have judged correctly, Jesus answered. This is like kindergarten spirituality. <laughs> hey, you have one zero, now you have three zeros. <laughs> or which one's better? You have someone who owes 50 and you have someone who owes 500. I added a zero, take one away. Which one's forgiven more? Well, obviously, and what's he saying? What's Jesus saying to him right in this moment? See, Simon thinks he only has a little bit of debt. As he's saying this, I only got little sin. She has a lot of sin, a lot of debt. Everybody knows she's a sinner. I have little debt. I have little sin. And what Jesus is saying is, both of you have debt. You both have debt. And both of you need that debt taken away. So which one would be more grateful? Let me ask you this question. What do you owe God? Have you ever thought about that? What do I owe God? Do I owe God anything? What do you owe God? If God said, oh, you didn't give, you didn't serve, you didn't pray, you didn't care, you were supposed to speak to that person, I kind of convicted you, you said talk to that person, you were too busy dinking down with your phone to notice that person. You didn't do any of these things. You didn't do this, you didn't do that. My notes are mixed up. Whatever. <laughs> you did, what, 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 do you, what if someone said, what if God said, hey, let's talk about times that um, you owe me. What if every, every year you guys get like a, a ledger, right? Basically, you get a credit card debt, your car debt, your house, your mortgage loan debt, debt you didn't even know you had. Like, when did you open that card up debt? You know, all those sorts of things. What if, what if God took 
took an account of all your sin. Past, present, future, every thought, every word, every deed, everything you've done. Everything you've done, and he gave it to you every month. What would that look like? That'd be pretty intense. What's your debt? That's what Jesus is saying. What's your debt? 50, 500? It's debt, right? So you might sit there and say, well, from this day forward, I'm going to be a good person. I'm going to live a good life. I'm going to be perfect. Well, you can't do that. But even if you can, let's just say you can. You're going to be perfect. What are you going to do about all the debt you've already accrued? How are you going to pay that off? That's Jesus' point. You can't. One owed 50, one owed 500, you're in the same boat. You're both in the unholy. What Jesus says is that God has to come to forgive debt. God has to come to forgive debt. That's why Jesus prays, forgive us our debts. Jesus is the means by which our debts are paid. Jesus is the means by which our debts are paid. Jesus is going to ultimately go to the cross and he's going to substitute himself in our place for our sins. Simon, you may think that your debts are small, Mr. Holy Religious Man. And her debts are large. Everyone knows who she is and what she's done and what she's doing. And some of you feel that way. But my sins are little. I mean, lying's like a fib, but it's not really a sin. At least that's what I tell my kids. That's enough to go to hell. Because either you pay God back in hell or God is paid back at the cross of Jesus. Either way, a holy, just, good, righteous God has justice. And rightly so, so that he can still be good. But by dying in our place for our sins, he proves himself to be loving, merciful, gracious, and kind so that all debts will be paid. Some of us could go to hell. It's not even like a scary thing to say. I mean, it's just the truth. It's not even a gray area. Some of us could suffer. Some of us will suffer. Conscious, eternal torment forever, separated from God. Some of us are okay with that, like letting it happen right around us. And for those of you and for those who come to Jesus, your debt is canceled. That's where Jesus says at the cross, it is finished. Debt paid in full. No more. Nothing left to have forgiven in the sight of God. It's done. History. The story continues in Luke 44. It says, you have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned towards the woman and said to Simon, do you do you see this woman? Do you even see her? That's the question. Simon, do you even see her, who she is or what she's done? She's, she's devastated. She's out of my feet. She's washing my feet. You didn't, do you even see her sitting here? She can't even talk. She's got snot running down her face. Her hair's down in a muck. With everything that I've had on my feet, with everything I've walked through, do you even see her sitting here? It's sad. When you look at people through religious eyes, you don't see them at all. 
When we look at people through religious eyes, we don't see them. All you see is someone who's condemnable, who's damnable, who's shamed. You don't see anyone that's been made in the image of God. When we look at people through religious eyes and we're just judgmental or evaluating, we don't see those things. We see somebody like, yep, yeah, not going to see them on the other side. We don't see somebody who's made in the image and the likeness of God. And there's times that we're religious, that you're religious, that I'm religious. Man, I'm telling you, there's times that I'm religious, that we're not like Jesus. There are times, friends, that we are not like Jesus, that sinners don't feel attracted to us. They feel judged by us. They feel not just convicted of their sin, but condemned of their sin by us. They feel without hope, they feel without love, and they feel without compassion, without affection, without invitation. If we look at people through that lens, when are they ever going to accept an invitation? You're real screwed up. You should come to church. (laughs) Maybe they can help you because I sure can't. (laughs) We need to learn from this woman as an example. Well, Larry, if we're like not saved um, by what we do, you know, all those things, then why should we give or serve? Why should we participate? The answer, friends, is love. It's like when you get married one day or when you're married and your beloved's standing there across from you and, and, and you're doing your vows and the, the man says to the woman, I will love you, I'll never forsake you, I'll be with you forever and I'm yours. Awesome. So then she says, sweet, we're done. Like this was the big show. So now I can go have like an affair and stuff because you're not going to leave me. And, you know, I can like do whatever I want because you're not going to leave me and you're always going to love me. And we did that to Jesus sometimes, you know that? But you're never going to leave me. Your love never fails. It never gives up. Never runs out on me. That's not permission. So why wouldn't you do something out of love? Because he loved you, we should love him back. Some of you would say that that bothers you. It's uncomfortable. It's awkward. And say, really? That's how you heard it? That you don't need to do anything? You can just do what you want. You can just watch. Luke 7, 47, verse 47 He said, do you see this woman? Do you see this woman? 44, do you see this woman? I came to your house. You didn't give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears. She wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You didn't put oil on my head, but she hasn't. But you didn't put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. She was lavishly worshiping him. Jesus says, you can't see her. You don't even see her sitting here. She's, she's devastated. She's crying. She's sitting at my feet. She's lost all of her and everything that she's had. She's a mess, and you're looking at her, and you're condemning her, and you're thinking this, 
Simon, she needs help. She needs a savior. She doesn't need another lecture on religion and why you shouldn't do that and you should stop doing that. You did this to yourself. You're getting what you deserve. Sit there and cry like a big baby. That's not what she needs. She needs help. She needs a savior. How can you not see this, Simon? You don't even see her. See, Jesus says, look at You don't even see her. Look at everything that she's done for me. You didn't even do these things for me. Simon, she's a worshiper. She's a worshiper. She's worshiping me. She's at her feet crying. You didn't greet me and wash my feet. She's washed my feet with her tears. He didn't greet me with a kiss, yet she hasn't stopped kissing my feet. He didn't put oil on my head, yet she's poured perfume and lavishly worshipped me. In fact, Simon, this whore, as you would call her, she could teach you some things about being humble, about being repentant and broken and honest and generous and serving and caring and being considerate and loving and thankful. Can you imagine this? It's totally swung a 180. Who is this? Some of us, some of you in this room here today are further from God than this repentant whore than homosexuals, than liars, than thieves, than perverts, than drunkards, than gluttons. We are further from God than some of those people who are repentant because the distance between us and God is repentance. That's what she's doing. And we're just sitting there criticizing and watching and thinking, little, I have little sin. Have you ever cried over your sin? Have you ever fallen down at your face and cried about it? Have you ever shed a tear over your sin? I know it's been a long time since I have, since I've been able to participate. So in Luke 47 through 50, he says, therefore I tell you her many sins. Hey, she's got a lot of sins. I'm not gonna push that off to the side. I'm not going to tell you that she's had a tough life and she just lived a different kind of life so you shouldn't feel bad for her or you shouldn't, you know, not see that. No, Jesus is going to say, you have. She's had a lot of sins, but check it out. Here's the deal. Here's the difference maker. I tell you her many sins have been forgiven for she loved much, but who has been forgiven little loves little. That's the difference She loved much. She came at Jesus' feet and loved much and was forgiven much. No debts, done deal. When we're forgiven little, we say, "Eh, little, don't need to love, just love little or like once in a while. She's forgiven because she loved much. That's amazing. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. When you know how much Jesus loves you and you love him back, that's the beginning of a passionate, worshipful, generous relationship. That's where everything changes. That's where everything changed for her. Friends, I want you to hear this. God loves people that he knows will never love him. He loves people that he knows will never love them. God not only loves people who he knows will never love them, 
God is bent on saving people that he knows will never be saved. You can be the same way. That's who God wants you to be. My question this morning as we sing this song is, will you participate? How will you participate? I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond in a moment, but you can respond right now through this time of worship. Are you religious? Are you having a moment where you're religious? Maybe you're the woman. Maybe that you're that person who's never shed a tear over your sin and you get, and all of a sudden you get close to Jesus and you can't hold it back no more. Maybe you've held it back a lot. You've gotten kind of close and it's kind of scary because there's people who's watching and, you know, you don't want to give away your nice perfume and we are just at a moment where just, this is the day. This is the day. I know it's the day where you need a break. You need to forget who else is in the room. You need to get down on your knees, whether it be physically, mentally, however. You just need to, you just need to let them have it. It's repentance. It's worship. And this morning right now, you might realize maybe you haven't participated. You're not here. You're just here because you can say that you're here. I'm at dinner. But I ain't going to wash no one else's feet. This is me. I'm in. I'm out. I don't give. I don't serve. Maybe one day I'll do those things. Maybe I'll love back a little how I've been loved much. It's your moment to just seek God. And who are you? How will you participate? Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Venetia, California.